Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all night Sunday, Central. But you are, speaking of being generous, you are a very generous guy, but you, you, I call. But I, I call you, I've called you lovingly before the P.T. Barnum of Bakersfield. You're a very generous guy and you give back to the community, but you have made, you have made a good business out of entertaining we simpletons. In the, so you've got, you had Rush, where, which is a great thing for the community. Like I grew up in a town that we couldn't dream to have something like that. And also we're paying you money to bounce in your house. Yeah. To jump on your bed, basically. Yep. It's trampoline. We pay money to jump on your bed. So when I opened Rush, I didn't know I was going to make money on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a plan. Just did it for fun. I did it because the, the truth is, Dad owned the building. Mm-hmm. Um, we needed to fill up 100,000 square feet. I've got kids. I realized we need a trampoline house. Then I realized, wow, if I go to Fresno, their parks really stink. Other markets have amazing ones. I want to make sure Bakersfield gets an amazing one. Yeah. Because we could have gone out and just gotten a tenant to come in and use that space. But we decided, um, I just decided I can do this on my own. Yeah. And it turns out it's, it's a lucrative business model because you pay for admission. You, um, you have very low, you, you have very low ongoing costs. You have yeah. a little bit of labor, but it's not like I got to, serve a hamburger every it, t- time. it tends to itself but here like my question and i i don't we don't have to dive into it too much but how do you the the part that always fascinated me is how do you get this idea like i've had fleeting ideas come and go but how do you get an idea like that and go i'm going to take an empty building and make that happen it's not like you had experience with trampolines before or recreate that, that type of recreational backwards engineered business everything i do is backwards engineered yeah i start with the building and you want to you want to almost eat the mic is okay does can you hear that yep okay um start with an empty building and then i figure you know that was the problem yeah so the trampoline park became the solution and it was clear there was going to be a trampoline park there we could have gone out and sought one yeah and the way they were growing they would have gobbled up that space okay but for me, I'm like, you know what? These things look lucrative. I'm going to do this myself. And, you know, the, I guess the other side of the story is I'm going to make sure Bakersfield gets an awesome one because I have kids. Right. And you, when you grow up here, you're like, you only get one of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you only get one mini golf thing. So if, it, if it's a mediocre one, then that's all the market ever gets. Yeah. And it's just like with Chamberlain, Rush has been here for almost four years. Um, actually, over four years. Also, oh, it wasn't terribly long before Tembler came along, so it was only like a year, a year. and a half. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you only get one of them, so you gotta you gotta do it right. Yeah. And that was the concept. And then Boulevard was born out of Rush, which was so Rush is Rush goes very successfully. Yes. Uh, eventually, you transition off of that and you sold it, right? Sold it. And then decided to go into a new venture and built the Boulevard, which for people who aren't familiar, is in the vein of a Dave and Buster's, but a playground for kids and adults. And it seems more like uh, family friendly and more kind of open and and not as, you know, 
franchise commercialized. Right. That's that's a good that's a good description. And that was born out of being at Rush, seeing all these parents sitting around on their cell phones. Mm-hmm. Their kids are having a great time. They're not having a great time. Right. And uh, I'm in the I'm in the family man mode of life. You know, I got an eight, a five, and two year old. So that's everything I'm doing is with my kids right. for the most part. So I wanted something. First of all, I knew the town was dying to have a Dave and Buster's. Yeah. I'm like, all right, how can we do better? So you add bowling, which the town really hadn't had a bowling center built in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. But but and very like I, I don't know I don't know if high class is the right word, but a very nice bowling alley, well lit, like clean family. That's that, all that's getting built. As opposed to a back alley, seedy, like where we started comedy in town when I got here uh, was the now defunct Martini's Lounge, which was attached to Regency Lanes where you had to go through metal detector security pat down to get like most bowling alleys in cities happen in a section of town where like, yeah, there was a shooting last night here. Uh, Boulevard's not like that. It's family friendly for that. Absolutely. And the lucky strike concept, the high end bowling is all that's really happening out there as far as new construction, because bowling has moved from a sport to recreation. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the Boulevard concept is just born out of, I want adults to have a good place to enjoy themselves while their kids are also enjoying themselves. And it's kind of cool because the space will convert during the daytime. It feels very kid friendly. Yeah. And then I think we're moving off of this, but right now I think it's after nine, you know, it's, it's 18 and up. Oh, okay. Um, so we make it a a space for adults and, um, it lends itself to just kind of transforming. And like I said, is you being one of those adults who has children that could use something to do while the kids, so you've, you've managed to, you've managed to make business of all the things that you have to do, which is pretty impressive. I think that's. You know, that's what it, it's born out of necessity. You know, yeah. it's like this is the mode of life I'm in. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it, on some level, it was embarrassing as an attorney to open a trampoline park because it's just not, it's, you, not, it's not cool. Man. Well, I can tell no you. No one's like, that guy owns a trampoline. That's cool. I can tell you it's more embarrassing as an attorney to begin an open mic uh, comedy show that, that, no, that, that's for, yeah, comedy's hip when people show up to it. But comedy's not hip when you're, you know, comedy at Tembler now, when I do the open mic with 80 people there to see it, is hip. But comedy when I came to this town where I was doing an open mic with four people who wanted to kill half of us on stage, less hip. Yeah, I I agree. But as a story, if oh, you're yeah. telling your story <laughs> to, I see what, I see what to you're saying. Uh, you know, a peer or to a, for yourself, a potential, uh, mate or partner. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do comedy in my spare time. Well, what do you do in your spare time? I <laughs> put together a trampoline park where, uh, it's one of the hot spots for seven year olds. I'm a hero to them. You can bounce all night with me. All the other attorneys in town are like, hey, you can go see Dave Bynum if you want an <laughs> attorney that's part-time uh, trampoline guy you could do your commercials like hopping around on the on the trampolines there's actually a show ed on nbc i don't know if you remember ed no there was uh, a show called ed and there was an attorney on the show that owned a bowling alley and mm-hmm. the the gag was you had to you had to roll a game in order to sit down with him for an hour 
oh, as okay. a prerequisite because he had to keep the bowling alley going as well as <laughs> so I've fallen a little bit into that space, yeah. but uh, I don't think I'm going to continue to delve into the entertainment realm outside of comedy booking. Interesting, which is where my you know true interest lies because I got a full building now. Yeah, where your that's where your passion is. Yeah, which is how we cross paths and that because in any other you you and your you I I consider you guys the Bynums the first family of Bakersfield. In between Rush and the Boulevard is Tembler Brewing Company, uh, which does a little bit of everything. Family Fun Center, there's some games there. Uh, craft Brewing, uh, big event center for music and, and comedy events alike. Uh, just all kinds of things going on there. And you guys got started there. Uh, you're involved in that as well. Uh, and, and your brother's the CEO there. And comedy being your passion project, you started booking events there very shortly after it opened how did that how did that work like what was the first step that you made there so my brother got married uh right before timbler opened okay we went to the comedy magic club down in manhattan beach we saw 20 comics do five minutes or whatever they have some gimmick show mm -hmm. like that and dustin barrow was there oh yeah and he kind of just blew that you know he, he had five really strong minutes yeah and so everybody who was involved with timbler was at the bachelor party they're like we gotta have that guy to you know and it was like yeah you know what we should that'd be fun yeah you know he was awesome i wanted to i was a comedy fanboy like yourself um by the way what a great time to be with brother romance or dono to be like this is the best and, yeah. and you could go we should bring them and then yeah, oh, everyone works out works out perfect everyone's you know we got to bring them and, yeah yeah and then I, um i was just kind of like i'm the guy i'm the guy to to do this yeah i'm gonna get this guy yeah so it just started off with me uh cold calling caa and probably took five calls to kind of get to the right person or you know when they hear you never booked a show and it's Bakersfield and it's a brewery. Yep. I mean, I just, I knew we had to overpay to get them. Oh yeah. So, so that, that was the tactic I took. It's just sure. like, just name your price and we'll pay it up front. And, and you uh, booked, yeah. And you booked this one act and they're like, all right, we'll send them. And you had to overpay. And I didn't know the Dustin show was the first one. So this was, this might've been a Bill Dwyer show before that where they actually called us. But the first, the first show uh, that you remember, at least of in this story of of substances, the Dustin Abar show, and that's on Black Friday, I believe, two thousand fifteen, right? Correct. Okay, so the Dustin show is booked, uh, and I'll I'll let you tell the the opening story is a is a pretty cool story. Yeah. So Timler had just opened, so like anything in Bakersfield and and like Boulevard's kind of experience right now, you get that you know, first year exuberance, your honeymoon phase. Right. So, um, Dustin, Dustin's room was packed more by virtue of the fact that it was Timbler and we're doing comedy and Timbler's run by the first family of Bakersfield. So, well, we had a lot of investors yeah. in, um, in Timbler. And so all the investors were coming out still, you know, they're still new and excited. So we had like, you know, I think we sold 200 easy to, to his show at a time where he he wasn't selling 200 tickets anywhere. No. Um, so by luck, 
by pure luck, um, the president of CAA Comedy is there that night. And the the lucky thing is he's from Bakersfield. And what are the odds of that? Not not good. Yeah. Uh, especially L.A. has such a Bakersfield bias. Which, by the way, like, hometown hometown connections. Hit me up. We're we're ready. Just bring us bring us to L.A. with you, CAA, baby. CAA. Uh, bring us with Chris you, baby. Chris is available. I'm available. Um, I've got tens of listeners on this damn thing. <laughs> we just dropped we just dropped off five cases of beer to CAA a couple of weeks ago to help us uh, lubricate the booking process and it worked <laughs> <laughs> but we should have had you uh you, sh- you should have been the delivery man. slip my portfolio in with that a couple scripts a little resume a little headshot i'll shine myself up yeah and so, instead the uh, boyston had his cd on the top of the five <laughs> cases he looks like a beer delivery so guy. they only accepted four cases Hi, boyston. <laughs> we know you're listening hey andy baby <laughs> so sorry black friday everybody shows out so <clears throat> President of CAA is there, CAA comedy. To see family for Thanksgiving, he's he's see, in town. Yeah. He's in town maybe two days a year. Mm-hmm. And so he he finds me and chats me up, and I think sees what Timler's doing and is blown away. Very lucky that he's there that night when we just had a huge crowd because we just opened, and I think he just decided because he's from Bakersfield and he's got guys in L.A. that need to get reps and need to get – shows right. th- that pay he wants to do he wants to be in the timbler comedy business sure so from there <clears throat> you know immediately became buddies with him and uh i think immediately after the dustin show he's calling me trying to book a, a pablo francisco show i think we booked on like 10 days notice and it's huge at this time there are no shows like that going on in town unless someone's booking the fox Right. Unless someone can fill the Fox or some or Rabobank Theater or Arena, there's no one night or place where people can come and do shows for 200 to 325 people. Right. Which is perfect for a Pablo show. Yeah. So I see. I see. There's a gap in the market. There's L.A. You know, it's two hours away. We can do weeknight shows and get these guys paydays, and they can still do their you know Thursday through Sunday runs right. in uh, Fort Lauderdale or wherever they're going to fly to do that. And um, we can kind of fill a gap in the comedy market and serve a purpose for them. And then in Bakersfield's arts and entertainment world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was cool to get to meet comedians and kind of be a part of all of it. So, yeah, we had Pablo and then uh, I think the Super Troopers guy, Steve Lemmy and uh, Kevin Heffernan Mm -hmm. shortly thereafter. And from there, you know, we sold out. I think we sold out both those shows initially. Um, so from there, we we're off and running. Right. And it's kind of just been a never look back thing. And then, yeah, and then a couple shows after that. And then, at least to me, which was kind of the tipping point of the whole deal for the town here of like a whoa, is when when we booked Brewer. Brewer was, when, Brewer was big. When Brewer came to the brewery, like Pablo was really cool. And I think that was that a New Year's Eve show? That was a New Year's Eve show. New Year's Eve show. That was a really cool one. And then there were some some people that in the comedy world we know as being really good. But you haven't seen them yet on SNL. Uh, maybe they did an episode of Conan or something like that. Uh, and then after a couple of those shows, Jim Brewer comes to town and lights the place on fire. Yeah. Uh, Pablo, I felt... Uh, I'll, 
I'll uh, confess something I shouldn't confess here. You guys heard it here first. When, when, when the president of CAA said, I'm going to bring you Pablo Francisco on uh, New Year's Eve, you want? can we get this done? My first thought was, who's Pablo Francisco? And by the way, you are you are a, a comedy student. I'm a comedy guy, and you're you're a comedy guy through and through, and you have strong opinions on it. And and strong opinions like like you have is why. Uh, and I've spoken before on other podcasts about how great the comedians that I've gotten to open for have been, and how generous they are, even the ones that are typically known as curmudgeons. And your strong opinions, and you're being frank like this is why the the industry standard of a comedy curmudgeon Al Madrigal loved you to death. He you were his boyfriend from the second he got it. As soon as he started talking comedy shop and you told him as you do with everyone else how you actually think, he was he was over the moon with your opinions on a number of household True. names. I named a couple of comedy <laughs> comedians I really didn't like, uh-huh. which I think is a Stupid thing to do as <laughs> someone who's a non-comedian starts saying, "Not here's here's, they don't know what they're doing." By the way, not knowing at all when he was saying this, if Al is related to these people or or they're they work together, best or, friends. yeah, could be could be their best friend. You're like, ah, and believe this me, guy sucks. He's not even doing comedy. His special was terrible. It's backfired on me, you know, <laughs> I've seen more <laughs> often than it's done me well. But Al Madrigal. To actually get to have like a human conversation with him was pretty cool for me, right? Because that was that was a pet booking of mine where I just, you know, I'd been working on that, and I some people I booked just like I like this guy, right? I'm gonna bring him here, and then I'm gonna push selling him, and um, he was definitely one of those, and uh, a a really fun show because he was doing a warm up for his special. So we got to see his special right before it went on and then watch showtime. And he, uh, you know, he, he asked, you know, he asked my opinion of a bit that he opened with. Yeah. And he, he kind of thinks in the literary sense of comedy and asked kind of, did it tie in with everything? Right. And I was, um, I didn't think it tied in, but it was really funny. So I was like, I, I think you're giving your audience too much credit if they're, you know, trying to look at your specialist. It was funny, but as the 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 arc <laughs> of the show just didn't it didn't have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah, which is um, which is something I I'm taking the Steve Martin's I'm taking it. You're taking on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> in my pocket while I, I was do in, dishes. I was invited to Steve Martin's <laughs> comedy course. So I sent a personal invitation to Steve Martin's uh, as a as someone that's an insider in the comedy. I'm world. pretty sure they're going to call it the Dave Bynum's <laughs> comedy course soon. The Dave Bynum chair of the Steve, Steve <laughs> Martin's. But he talks a lot about he wants you know he thinks it's important for the whole set to tie together, and uh, like a lot of times it's just a couple callbacks. I don't, yeah, I did his. He, when he was wearing alien ears and antennas and shit, and then he would play a guitar, did that connect? I, you know, I Take listened that, to Take that, Steve. <laughs> taking you to task on this podcast. Steve, Dave didn't say it. I said it. Steve, call in if you're listening. Don't take his chairmanship away from him. I'm the one saying it. Um, I just think it's funny that these guys in some level, you're like, there's a, they're thinking about comedy at the next level. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it's helping them at all. Because I, you know, I think ninety-five percent of your audience is just, "Are you making me laugh?" Right. That's that's ultimately how I judge a show. 
if I'm getting cheap laughs, then I, I take points off. <laughs> um, Swartzen, who we just booked. Yeah, and I can, a, I'll give those dates. Uh, Nick Swartzen's coming February 9th, right? That's right. And we've got Andrew Santino coming January 19th. And Joel McHale of The Soup is coming January 9th of 29th. It's a big first two months of the year. We, you know, it's it's the beer. And then Chris Flail the beer. and six <laughs> other people you've never heard of are coming in March, baby. Chris Flail is burning the place down. Chris, <laughs> Chris Flail. <laughs> Sorry, Jessime, I know you're listening, but uh, Chris Flail outselling the likes of Jessime Peluso, yes. who just tweeted us and um, wanted to book another show. My first thought is like, uh, I got Chris. Yeah. I don't. What do what, what do I need with with Jessime? Chrissy May Peluso stepped right in there. My favorite part about Chris is his writer. Is, <laughs> he doesn't have one. That's right. No writer at all. This is a little man of the people. <clears throat> I've shared this with Chris, so this will bore bore him. But for for the listening audience, <laughs> um, Jessima Peluso, when we booked her, had this ridiculous rider with you know organic honey, specific name brands. She had like four different beverages on there. I'm like, pick a beverage, mm-hmm. you know. Call us the day before and let us know what you think you're going to be in the mood for. But basically, it was a potpourri gift basket of <laughs> like sixty dollars worth of just crap. We had to send a Tumblr employee around town getting day of. Um, and then she shows up and has the audacity to act surprised. Like, oh, my gosh, look, it's all my favorite stuff. I can't <laughs> believe you guys did this. <laughs> like, We're contractually required to do this. Yes. And then she just took it all with her. It was like she was grocery shopping for the She week. sounds awesome. That's a, <laughs> that, that sounds pretty awesome. It was a genius move. Yeah. Um, with and, me and she actually was awesome she was super nice yeah. and um we loved we loved having her she we didn't get the um you know the the whitney cummings no meat in the green room <laughs> and then uh and by the way i have to have veggies only on my plate yeah and then uh she looks at the veggies and goes uh bring me some fish Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Which I that's at a pescatarian. Yeah. Well, thing. and I, I went to a Catholic high school. Okay. But I'm not Catholic. Right. So the the whole meat fish thing is always I've never understood it. A big loophole. I don't I don't understand it. Big loophole. I I once studied and like like anything I think it was you know there's a fisherman's union back in the 1500s that lobbied the Pope. Man. So it's all politics, lawyers. folks. All Lo- politics. Lawyers ruin every, even a good religion. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But yes, Jesse May Peluso, extensive writer. Uh, Whitney Cummings, extensive writer. If I remember correctly, Sinbad, extensive writer. Yeah. However, Chris Flail, I don't tell you this, and I know like you wouldn't make, I just don't bring it up. Chris Flail still buys an iced tea on the nights of the shows he's running and booking. Which True I hate. Story. Which I hate. True story. Because hashtag man of the people. Man of the people. Yeah. I don't want that veil ever ever pulled away from me like just happened before we got recording here where David's, would you call him an assistant? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't call him. He's an employee. An employee. He's not my assistant. I feel like I'm his assistant. This guy was his employee brought us at Dave's demand two waters it's slightly below room temperature 
Uh, and then I'm pretty sure Dave threw some of the water on him and sent him back and outside. Chris is a good-looking guy. I'm show- <laughs> I was showing off for him. Come on. We've all done it. Yeah. Oh, so what we were talking about is Pablo Francisco. You don't know the man when you first get the call. No. So I don't – so I, I wasn't sure whether or not to be excited, but I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. You know, Googled him, talked my brother into it. You hear the movie voice, like, in the world. Yeah. Bit. yeah. So that, that bit I knew. Um but that show, that show sold out. Don, Don's favorite act, you know, um, is Pablo Francisco. That's I believe. great. I don't know. We had him three times, or I think only twice. I think, uh, no, I think it was. It I was think three. you're right. I think it was three because I did the middle one. Okay. He just came recently, uh, so I think he's been here three times. Okay. Yeah. Ca likes us to bring him. Such and a he, nice guy, too. He is. He's one of those guys. Who, he I, came in the green room, the little barley room there, and I was sitting there, and he said, "Are you?" Are you open in the show tonight? And I said, yeah. He goes, how long did they give you? I said, ah, like 10 to 12 minutes. He goes, well, if it's going well, just just keep, like if you do 15 or 20, just keep running. Just keep going with it. I was like, that is so opposite to what you expect to hear. But then you think about it and you go, of course, that's how he is. Because he's not worried about what the hell I'm going to do. I could I could do whatever I want up there. He's still going to crush for an hour. Yeah, and my favorite thing about Pablo is talking to other comedians about him. I think oh. I think Madrigal and I had a little conversation about Pablo and he was I think Pablo's tip to him was like and keep in mind he Madrigal's worried about the literary arc of his hour. Yeah. And Pablo's like <laughs> if you hit a dead spot, you know, just hump the air and make a <laughs> fart sound with your mouth. And Madrigal was like you know, I think kind of like, are you kidding me? Yeah, a portion of him <laughs> died hearing <laughs> yeah. that. And then uh, he said he tried it once and it worked. Of course. So, I mean, there's, I remember genius that, in that too, my friends. I remember that story. I thought I heard it on a podcast. I didn't realize it was from when we were standing at the table with yeah. Al. And again, that's why Al loved you. He like not only was it cool to have a conversation with him, but y- if you wanted to, you couldn't get away from him. He screamed across the room, like in between the two shows, to make us uh, and his feature Johnny Sanchez, and then bring Mike Lottie, the beer master himself, to come like hunker down at that table and talk comedy shop. I walked him out to his car. I okay. was a total gentleman. Okay, I Dave. took no advantages. Okay. Uh, I also walked Jessamay Peluso out, but. I'm I'm kind of that hyper uh, hyper aware of oh am I being creepy guy so I was kind of as like okay when do I break away I want to talk to her because she's a comic I want to I want to be polite but I don't want to I don't want to creep her out like falling her into her car but, yeah I I don't know if I'm I always assume that I'm coming off as creepy and mm-hmm. malintentioned so yep. yeah it's just a, always my baseline of like Ugh. how about how about hugging hugging women. Like uh, you got a girlfriend. What? She's got a friend. Like she comes, she sees you. She's friendly, so she goes in for the hug. My my baseline setting is handshake. Yeah. I go in for the handshake. You got to be next to family for me to go in for the hug. And I got to be sure that in your mind, there's not an ounce of anything other than this is just a total. But yeah, I've heard too many women talk about you know hugs being creepy too. that makes me feel good because you gave me a hug after our last lunch oh guys I, I, I wasn't don't ruin it okay i wasn't ready for it i went to give you the shake and you brought because i i figured you may be a little more distant and you gave me the hug and so i didn't give you the i was worried that i wouldn't get another hug again no, but it was uh, it was did it feel did it feel good be honest oh yeah okay good yeah 
Just no. just wanted that. I on, relish my relationship with. Just you. wanted that on the record and filing the complaint. It was over the. Line. I I don't have enough comedy in my life, and you are you are my link to uh, the Bakersfield comedy scene. Yeah, and Chris. Uh, you're the first. You're the first man of comedy in Bakersfield to me. <laughs> so you say I'm first family, which is flattering. But uh, you know, I see you as the first, the first man of comedy here in Bakersfield, and so. Well, and I ask you routinely why you deal with me and your brother, uh, and the whole operation, and that's how we got to meet each other. Is that uh, Dave got comedy nights started at Tembler Brewing Company. And before we ever met, I remember driving and seeing the billboard of like Pablo Francisco at this billboard, like at this venue. And I never hear the venue and I'm driving down like, what's this shit? Like someone's like, what's who's who's that I haven't heard of is moved in. And then it was only a matter of a couple of weeks later through other channels. Uh, someone reaches out to me and says, hey, you know, the place that just it, that is having Pablo Francisco that just had him there. I said, yeah. Well, they want to branch with the local comedy community they want they want local people here they just don't know who to speak with uh and you're probably the guy who should who should call them and so i call and we talk and i try my best to put my my good boy hat on and schmooze you and connect of, of being lawyers uh and we're talking up you're like ah, i don't know if like we're looking to do an open mic i don't know if we're going to do it what it makes sense is it weekly is it bi-weekly monthly uh, and I, I weaseled my way and you were gracious enough to let us do it weekly. And it, it just kind of made it work. took it's off been... from there, but it's not. And I, I say this all the time is it's not like it's a huge business venture for you guys. It was a labor of love for you and almost a charitable service. And you guys deal with me all the time. Who's, who's borderline insane. And I, I've said from stage to people who roundly agree that it's like, uh, it, I'm like your soup kitchen, but like when you hand the bowl of soup to the transient person, if they knock it over because they don't like it's that it doesn't have the right crackers, you just give them another bowl. You don't hold it against them. And that's how I feel our relationship is sometimes is I'm a crazy person and you 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 keep calm and kind of hang in there. I have gotten a few texts where I was like, <laughs> I'm going to but I've I've. I've been on the other side. I've been the guy sending the text. And that's where we connect. Yeah. Is I didn't find that out until a few weeks ago is you are that guy as well. And yeah. I didn't I didn't expect that. I just had a heated conversation with the nicest one of the nicest ladies I know. Nothing nothing to do with comedy. Yeah. But uh I kind of went on a rant for 3 minutes for something that she wasn't responsible for but was tangentially involved with. And at the end of it she said, "Hi." Just like that. And oh. I, it was the most disarming thing. And it was just like, oh, I'm a dick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just verbally lambasted you for something that has nothing to do with you. And you didn't want to have a conversation with me about anything I said. You didn't want to, you know, point out that I was, you just want to say, hi, let's reset. You know? <laughs> it was, I was, I mean, you learn things all the time, but that's, I think, uh, Yes, I'm definitely on the other side of that that card. So I I I get that, and I'm like, all right, well, let's let's give this a beat, and then we'll figure out what's going on here. Yeah, and so through that, us connecting with each other, and and again, you guys wanted to open up to the local comedy scene, and us getting to know each other over the last two and a half to three years, uh, the local scene has has benefited immensely from 
Timbler because not only do we have an open mic now where it's an it's we call it an open mic, but it's a it's a show at this point. It's just a weird one. Uh, there's anywhere from you know forty to a hundred people out to see this thing on a Wednesday night, and they get to come out for free and have drinks and have food. And anywhere from fifteen to thirty comedians in town, who normally, I mean, it took me the better part of three years, and that was that was on a faster track for small town regional comedy scenes to start playing big shows. But these, you know, you you may do your first night of comedy and your first month of comedy in this town in front of eighty people every single week, which is if for anybody who starts comedy in Los Angeles or. Uh, San Francisco or anywhere it, it's impossible to have that uh, and that's because you guys reached out and branched to us which is huge and you let us uh, the ones you know you still have to manage the show as it is especially the you know the paid shows and the big headliners but for the people that come across to you uh, that you see that have the acumen to be able to do so you guys allow them to open for these national acts so pablo francisco uh dave attell joey diaz uh al madrigal brendan all these people local comedians are getting to open for that's what we want yeah and, uh, one flip side of like the uh my uh, i have two goals which is to kind of give that access to local comedians um but the other is to to book the biggest acts that we can and they're kind of opposing, I'm learning, because the bigger we get, sometimes they're just like, no locals on the show. And usually, I think you've learned the other day, you don't get that email till the day before. And so um, you don't really have time to push back or negotiate. or um, So that's that's been a disappointment, but uh, I think I just have to focus on getting that out up front. Like, local local host it's critical to the show like sets a scene um i think it's good too because everyone's going to come up and and start trashing bakersfield so to have a local host um <laughs> is nice yeah and, and when it happens on, it happens very infrequently that they say they don't want any local openers when it does happen i get it just because if they perform in 40 cities out of the year they run into 40 me's everywhere they go. So I try to be cognizant of that and not ask the annoying questions and not try to get some advice from them and not try to get them to watch my set. But they don't know. They were just in Cincinnati where some kid wouldn't leave him alone because he thought that they were going to take him out on the road after. They got 40 other people just like me doing that. So I get when they say, I'm shutting it down, I want that out. But just like everything else with Tembler, I think over time it's happening less and less and will continue to do so the more people show out and they go okay they they know what they're doing with booking a show they're putting up locals who will run the show and not bother the hell out of me so it's interesting to hear you say that because i i totally get it i never ask a book act for a selfie um even though the 300 people buying tickets will ask for a selfie <laughs> and um I will sometimes feel abused by the comics just by the way that they treat me. And I kind of want to say, you assholes, I'm an attorney. I do this on a volunteer. Just so the listening audience knows not that you care. I think, and I think they'll care big time about, cause this is inside baseball that maybe, maybe, maybe 50 people in the country can give. So 
I, I don't take money out of the shows. The, the way we're able to, our competitive advantage at Timbler is um, I let Timbler keep, you know, any proceeds we make, which the margins are super thin on mm-hmm. shows. You're, you're talking um, 10% of the gross box office um, to 20% most mm-hmm. of the time. And um, if, you, if you're looking for a uh, cut, for the guy booking the show and for the house, it, it gets right. it becomes very hard to do. And and by the way, I hate to cut in and and stop you, but that's also why uh, for those who are listening in town, you pricks who reach out to me every time there's a show and send me a message and go, "Hey, I see Joel McHale's coming. How can I get tickets?" And I say, y- "You know how you can get tickets. You click on the event." To answer your question, I can't get you tickets. It's because if you could give those out you would it, yeah, but it's con- because you're contractually, not actually comps right. have to every comp has to be accounted for and really the only way comps happen is if you're my wife <laughs> um but my parents buy tickets yep um you buy tickets to my show which i hate well you i feel like you are um I feel like you have a good labor law claim against us <laughs> I've, I've been to the, oh, the yeah. uh, open mics yep um you know, they're, it's it's tough sledding. You ever cut me loose? I've got my slip and fall location <laughs> planned and ready to go. <laughs> you you work. You you want to know? I you know why uh, we have this bond. I'm a loyal person. <laughs> I, I I I pretend that I'm loyal, and I like to pretend that I'm generous. Yeah. Um, and you've done you put in countless hours of work for Timbler, so. There's your loyalty um, aspect. You're too kind. And I've been to the, I've been to the shows, and um, sometimes you know you'll get crazy people on stage, and um, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's, I'm it's, one of them. It's not. It's yeah. <laughs> nothing against the the comics, because uh, at least the crazy person has more uh, <laughs> more courage than I do, because I don't get up there. Oh, we're, we'll get we'll and we'll come to that. You've you've gotten your feet wet performing. So sorry, and I I didn't mean to interrupt you. So you book these acts, and you don't take profit. Uh, the profit margins that go to Timbler for these shows, it's much more a labor of love and a spotlight on the brand than and it, it helps is them a, sell beer. That, like, that's that, right. That's where that, that's where we go. But the the, the comics often the Al Madrigal is the exception of the rule. Um, a lot of the comics just treat you like trash. They're right. kind of like, is this guy trying to screw me? Uh, especially when it's not a sellout. It's like, it seems like a lot of people here. How come they're telling me it's not a sellout? Right. And um, I think, I don't know if promoters everywhere else just have a bad, you know, a bad rap, but I, I do it basically as volunteer work. And so when every everyone else in the room gets a hug and a selfie <laughs> because they're a fan and uh, I just kind of, get treated like garbage you get the brunt of it like you you you're and you go behind closed doors with the comic who may lambast you in there and then they come out and they're captain fun so for me so i'm a little little opener guy gets to leave and go god he's so good to me but you're in the back and he's looking at the check and going there should be 14 more dollars in this what did you do yeah why is it why is the stage set up this way this room sucks and then they go on stage baker this is so amazing and again same thing is you are most likely at least from the people I met, you are the exception to the rule and Tembler's the exception to the rule of being generous and doing it as a labor of love and and being on the up and up is 
as much as possible where I'm sure when they go to Des Moines, Iowa, they ran into a promoter somewhere that dicked them over or when they were in Philadelphia or when they were in, you know, Alabama, wherever it is. And I know, like, I always have in my mind, like, every time a comedian's weird to a fan or a crowd member or you have a weird experience with someone famous or, or successful... I, me not being famous or successful in this avenue, I know how many lumps I've taken, and I can imagine after another 20 years of these, I will be very jaded and defenses up as well. So it could be that, but for you having to deal with it, so you're running a law practice, you're running uh, two or more high-end businesses, and you're doing this is what would normally be a side side project uh, if you didn't care about it as much as you do and and you got a lot of nonsense to sort through on that path yeah and there's that element of hey don't ever meet your heroes type thing <laughs> yeah and or at so, least not meet them in the wrong role right and so <laughs> so booking these guys you know or and these gals um although not very many yeah i got to be better about that um to, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, man, I I, work, I I sent out 13 offers to get them, and then when we got the offer, you know, all the mess that comes along with writing the show, and then they get there, and you finally meet them, and you see, it, you know, they treat you like garbage. Yeah. Which, and then kind of, it's really hard to put that aside and be like, okay, you know, she was just a total bitch. To yeah, it's me, tough but, to be. It's tough to be a fan and yeah. enjoy the show now, yeah. which is what got you into this in the first place. Right. So. It's so funny, but there's so many <laughs> comics now who I'm like, yeah, I just can't watch this guy anymore because Fuck he was you, such man. a dick to yeah. me. <laughs> Two or four years ago, I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. And now it's like, fuck this guy, man. I hope his jokes aren't funny. But He's in your house. You're like, I hope he doesn't do well tonight. <laughs> getting back to Brewer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who was the first guy that blew the doors open, I think it was a household name. Yeah. Where To me, Pablo wasn't a household name. He wasn't that. He was amazing. Um, interestingly, when we first booked him, CAA said, book him. And he's yeah. not with CAA anymore, so I don't think I'm running anything for Interesting. him. Interesting. Um, and when he found out about the show, apparently, he's like, what? I'm not doing that show. So we had sold 150 tickets, had to refund everyone. And then three or four days later, they'd finally talked him into it. And then, you know, after he's done, he's like, this room's amazing. Oh, great laughs. He's like, we should have done two shows, you know? I'm like, yeah. Had to drag you, had to drag you down here. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have a story as as the booker of big famous acts without without bringing a specific name in of the worst, craziest thing that you've dealt with from one of these people? Uh, you know, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything that's. Or is there a common? Is there a common thread that a number of the more headstrong ones give you? I know, I know for one, like some of them that I saw that just spilled over that I was in the room when it happened is like the water, the water is too cold. It's going to hurt my throat when I'm on stage. And water temperature is a huge deal. Uh, I've learned that every writer that requests water will have a very specific adjective about, you know, slightly above room temperature (laughs) or, or whatever it is. Um, sometimes with, you know, like a hint of mango or whatever it may be. Um, more interesting to me is the room temperature that the green room should be. It's your be. brother. It's Don, it's Don out there. Don he, he gave a shot. I thought it was Jordan at first. Now I see the allure of Jordan, uh, the, the employee, is that he looks like a young Don. Yeah. 
Yeah, they both got a lot of hair. Oh, they're really they're really getting it back there. They look like they're having as much fun as we are in here. Yeah, I'm so it's Friday afternoon. What's Don doing here? <laughs> we're at we're at our places, at my place of work. Yeah, so dig at my brother. So anyway, sorry to distract you. So, um, room temperature at the in the entire venue, and I'm like, guys, this is a warehouse. Yeah, we got a, a literally a big ass fan and. You know, 322 people in the room, and it's somewhere outside between 30 and 110. Yep. Like you're getting what you're getting. <laughs> like I don't, I don't quite understand the writers. Like if you're willing to play a brewery, you have to understand what that means. Right. You can't have a writer that's written as if you're going to play Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. And yet I see a lot of that, and I think part of it's just some of these guys are on their way down. Yeah. And so they've got the writer from five years ago when they could, you know, do whatever they want, wherever they want. And um, they haven't quite gotten yet. And I, I think some of the times when I get the abuse, it's I think there's the realization like, man, you know, and maybe I read this into people, but I think there's got to be a realization when you're playing Timbler Brewing. And five years ago, you were you're selling out stadiums. Yeah. As everyone, you know, I don't care who you are. You have that career arc. Right. Like, there's very few guys that get to stay on top forever. Right. Uh, Bill Cosby's one of them, and I think yeah, we all he, know he's certainly on bottom right now. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think we know. You know, usually when you can't stay on top, there's something else going on. Exactly right. Um, but I think that might be why we take you know some of the abuse and why the, the writers, the writer language is just so, so strange. Here's a question for you. Curious to know, and again, don't have to name names. Uh, but one of the things I try to do is be your gatekeeper in town so when you announce that nick swartzen's coming to town in february how many thirsty up-and-coming phone call direct message emails do you get from the comedians on their way up trying to s- squeeze onto that show because i get well, millions of them dan betts shows up at my house hours, <laughs> so that's not a phone call <laughs> yeah Sick burn, Dan. Dan, Sick burn. Dan Betts is sleeping in Schwartzen's parking lot to see the email before you put it on Facebook. He's the one who put it on Facebook. Which I think, at least for me, I have so much I have jealousy of that because I'm the guy like you. Like oh, I'm not, I would never ask Schwartzen <laughs> because Schwartzen's been asked too many times and I just don't want to be in the way and God forbid that I take a moment of his life. Yep. Um, and... Dan doesn't have a lot of that. Dan has a lot of, I got to figure out where what it takes to get me where I'm going, and if I, you know, hurt some feelings along the way, so be it. <laughs> and uh, you get you admire it. I mean, for for me, and this is just me, you you admire the hell of it while you're cringing. You're like, <laughs> I wish I had that, and I'm so glad that I don't. You know, and and for me, it's and I like you may have this. I don't know if you have the, the to analogize it. I don't know if you feel this because we connect on things like this. Like if you're somewhere with your wife on vacation, let's say you're at the beach and it's this nice thing. When she asks you, hey, can we take a picture? You like, do you go like, uh, but you glad she asked. I can't, it's yeah. not within me to ask. Right. So there are a number of areas where in comedy, I'm not, like you said, I, I'm not going to go to Swartz and, hey, can you know, can you talk to us about, or can you, like, can you give us a live read for, our, for the podcast? Um, but if Dan's in the room, he'll do it. Yeah. I, I couldn't stop him from doing it if we I need, wanted to. We need Dan to and work like, 
with us and for us. And like three or four out of ten times, I'm like, I'm glad he, yeah. Like we have a picture yeah. with Joey Diaz only because Dan was in the green room and I was like, I, I was like, I hope he asked for it. I'm not going to ask for a picture, but I'm pretty sure he will and I hope he does. And, and, and maybe that's why Joey didn't want local openers this time. <laughs> I don't it could be because we bought the Don said he was he was super cool to uh, yeah he was to Don oh at, last at night last yeah well he was cool really cool with us that uh, that last time he was here too so I, I don't know he offered he offered Don some of his uh, stogie oh is that right which I was like I know certain people who would have just taken that and like you know put it in uh, an acrylic box at home on a little stand like the Diaz stogie. yeah. Um, you may be those certain people (laughs) yeah i might have been that guy um but uh yeah i think uh i think i forgot what we were talking about oh we were talking about how many how many when you announce a big show how many contacts do you get from because you've you've taken all that away okay so not even but not even from outside of town like you don't even get it from la people or you know um, no one knows how to get to me. No one, like if, if you are good at that, I would say, I would say that four fifths of our group don't know who you are. Right. So if they don't know I'm booking the show, they know it's at Timbler. Maybe they'll send a direct message to Timbler's Facebook page yeah. or they'll email the info box. That stuff doesn't get forwarded to me. But they know you now. They you're just you're like the know. Frank Lucas of yeah. the, and now you just wore your fur coat being on my podcast. They, they know, uh, as much as Chris Flail wants to say he has no influence, he's the only influence you're ever going to have, baby. Uh, thanks. You better go through Chris. <laughs> you better call Chris. <laughs> thanks for filling my DMs once again yes, on yes. that. So I, 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 I guess we might as well transition to not only is this a labor of love for you, but you, uh, you have performed uh, a number of times and gotten your feet wet in and actually partaking in stand-up comedy. So yeah, <clears throat> when it started, it was out of necessity because yeah. after we did the, uh, actually I think for the Abara show, I was on stage and for Bill Dwyer, uh, just because I didn't have a host, um, I was struggling to get a feature, um, and they were wanting us to pay for them to bring their features, and at this point I was very worried that we might lose money on a show, so I was just. I'll get someone in town who has experience with comedy to do it for free and then I'll host. Yeah. So, um, but I had a very, uh, weird sense of what it meant to do comedy. And yeah. I remember <laughs> describing it to you once early on and just the look of disgust on your face <laughs> because it is so, um, I, I don't remember this. Okay. <laughs> well, so I, I would only do comedy on the shows that I was hosting. So, uh, I'm not getting up and doing comedy unless it's in front of at least a hundred people <laughs> no, on, the, on the night of a show. <laughs> and guess what? I don't like doing telling the same joke. Yeah. Twice. It's going to be all new because it's not fun for me. If I've already found out if an audience laughs at it. Yeah. Um, you're Bob Newhart in it every time. So I'm writing five <laughs> new minutes every time. And, um, not take it, you know, I'm trying to like learn it in front of a mirror, but I'm also not super disciplined with that. Yeah. So, and, um, I'm not looking at notes cause I'm too good for that. Yeah. I remember talking to you like the early shows and you're like, yeah, it was the afternoon of, you're like, yeah, I'm writing my set out right now. I've had some ideas kicking around like you're, I would, I would write my material four days before the show 
Then by the night of the show, I'd learned the material. I'm like, I've gone over this in my own head so much. I've convinced myself it's not funny. So oh, okay. I would be driving to the thing thinking of new, like super <laughs> topical stuff, which I think for a host, you know, who it's, cares? It's all fair game and kind of part of the deal. Yeah. Keep yeah. it light. Just keep the, yeah. Keep. I never keep really considered moving. hosting to be comedy. I was like, I'm going to do three to five minutes. Thanks, Dave. Of, of co- no, <laughs> just, the just way kidding. I did it. The I'm way kidding. I did it. I'm just kidding. But by the way, many audiences, I was just talking about this. Many audiences don't either. I can't tell you how many times I've come off stage and someone says, when I, when can I see you do comedy? And I have to say, I just did. <laughs> yeah. I just you did. You are funny. You I, should do comedy. You should do comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. That's what I liked about the host spot. The, the bar was super low. Um, and in fact, my opening material would often be about, hey, let's keep expectations low. <laughs> you know, like I'm, th- I'm not funny. You're not paying for this. Like this yeah. is free. This is the bread that comes before the meal. Yeah. Like if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. At There's best, I'm your cheesy coming. biscuit. Yeah. So just you know, go along for the ride. And if you don't have to laugh, but if you do, you know, God bless you. Yep. Um. So I think I did that three or four times. Um. And then uh, most of them went okay. I think I got a few jokes out of there that <clears throat> I I knew would hit every time. Uh, I mean, there were basically one-liners. Yeah. So the, I I think I felt good. I was like, I've got one joke that can make people laugh, so I can get on stage and get a laugh. Right. And then um, the next five minutes can go bad, and at the end of it is like oh, I got a laugh. Um. So I had pretty low expectations. Yeah. For myself. So I would keep maybe that that intro joke, which was a joke at my my expense and my wife's expense. Um, which is which is key to comedy. Everyone yeah, in everyone in your life is now going to be drained for the juice of their interestingness. Yeah, for yeah. the sake for the sake of crowds. Um, I uh, the one joke I've never. Everyone has a joke about what they look like. This I always say, most I always ubiquitous. Say Ten out of nine comics know what they look <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that. Um, you should be. You should do a I comedy. Should, I should do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've never figured out what I look like. Uh, I've had people tell me you look like uh, ugly celebrities, and I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't help. Um, what do you think you look like? Do you have any ideas? No. Have you seen anybody of like I look like that guy? No. Um, okay, so the the ugly celebrity is Tom Green. I've heard Tom <laughs> Green. And then the super generous, uh, you know, ri- opposite version of that's Ryan Gosling. And so I gotta say, and I'm not doing this to closer fl- to Tom Green than Ryan Gosling. I'm not I doing this to fluff you. I think you look better than the Goss. I don't know. I don't know what. It, I don't wow. know what Ryan Gosling's allure is. He's got a, a. He's got that goofy accent that's like a fake where I'm from accent. Yeah, yeah. I it's, love him. I see so you. Hey. You get it. He does something for you. He doesn't he do does it something for me. He doesn't do it. The for Notebook. Me. Oh man. You feel that if they took the old people part out of the notebook? Yeah. Have you seen the notebook? I have actually. One time I was tricked into seeing it. Uh, Mara Bernowski, if you're listening to this, she tricked me into watching it one day, and then never again. I've been fighting it ever since. And did you and Mara? Um, I'm doing a hand gesture right now, but punch each other? No. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you're alluding Good. to, absolutely not. Good, because domestic violence is a huge problem, <laughs> and not, not a laughing matter, frankly, yeah. Chris. I'm ashamed of you. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, the James Gardner parts of the Notebook are garbage. But uh, <laughs> I'm like, give me some Gosling. What is this? <laughs> Do you mean Jennifer? Is it Jennifer Garner or who's James Garner? 
He's the old man. The oh, notebook flashes oh. back to where he's got like Alzheimer's I and he's see sitting what you're and the mom's telling the story of their love or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need the breakaway. Right. You know, I don't need to see them years later in an old folks home holding each other in their arms while they die. Yeah. I think so, Nicholas Sparks got alert. divorced, by the way. Aha. Aha. That's what you get. You're trying but, to be all romantic and shit. I feel like he's going to do so much. By the way, that husband never did anything wrong. To deserve being cheated on in a in a rickety canoe. Sure, and and the best part was he was cool about it. Totally cool about it. I'll yeah. just let it happen. And she's like, "No, not good enough." He was that good a guy. I, who did Nick Sparks grow up with that he thinks there's guys like that out maybe there? Maybe he was. That's maybe that's <laughs> that's who Nick Sparks was. Yeah, he cuckolded me. <laughs> I'm pretty good looking. I'll land on my feet. <laughs> so I can share the celebrity thing with you because uh, not only like. I had one time someone gave me like a good celebrity. I forget who the guy is, but he was on one of those like he was on one of those uh, like Grey's Anatomy or like some kind of show like that. He was like this uh, like tan guy like me who gets a short haircut. He's a good looking dude. One time one girl told me I looked like that. But everyone in my family back home and like anyone else who asked is just a light skinned African-American goofy celebrity. So I got Urkel, David Blaine. Uh, I could see David Blaine, but your eyes are nothing. Someone like said his. Drake. Uh, my own, my family tried to say Barack Obama one time. Like just anybody, anybody light skinned who's who's a little like unconventional looking, they just go right. You're to the that. you're to me, and I say to me, I didn't come up with this, but when people ask me, like, yeah, well, who's that good looking comic? Sorry, other comics, <laughs> but uh, that's you know, when's that good looking guy comic? So when, when and I first, you're like you're like Dave Bynum. Any other no, questions? No, no. I, I've i I'm not disillusioned about myself. That's okay because I'm I'm been happily married for close to a decade. There you and go. I, uh, Shout out to Mrs. Bynum. Yeah, Mrs. Bynum is uh, I did better than I deserved to do. So check that off my list in life. Um, but uh, my so getting to my bomb story. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. So we were talking about like you're doing stand and just kind of a lot of fly by night topical do spur of the moment. Do it as you go up there. Everything's going well. I'm so I'm feeling good about how many all this. When did you when did you start? When was do you remember the first time you did comedy? Yeah, I want to say it was a dust in your bars show. Oh, so it was the first one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because immediately I had this need and I was like, who's going to do this? Yeah. Like, I guess it's me. And when like when did you fall in love with? Like when was it that it hit for you? Because for me, it was when I was a young kid when the Comedy Central presents. Came when I out. was in eighth grade, I remember they asked, "What are you going to be when you grow up?" And it was either an NBA referee. <laughs> I'd already I knew I wanted to be in the NBA. You wanted to be a rule maker. I knew I wanted to be in the NBA. Yeah. And I I already knew I was never going to be good enough. You grew up in a city. I, you had the benefits of growing up in a city. I grew up in a small town, so I didn't learn until I was twenty two that I wasn't going to be in the NBA. So. So, yeah. So I was NBA adjacent. Okay. Or I want to be a comedian. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what, I think it's like everyone. It's that magic of, I'd done some performance as a kid, you know, I'd, I acted in plays. I get the lead. So I, I was kind of like, I think Not I'm. Not bragging. Got the lead. Uh, I, I, I was, I was proud of my sense of humor. Okay. And I think. I really only cared about whether or not people were funny. Yeah. Like if someone wasn't funny, I'm like, I have no, no interest. Use, I have no use for this person. Yeah. Like what, are, what are you doing? Yeah. Like get a personality. Um, and so, or 
if you you don't have to be funny as long as you got a great laugh mm-hmm. and you're willing to appreciate that other people are funny. That's you got to have some of those people. As yeah. a kid, being in the first family of Bakersfield, did you have to hang out with other first families of Bakersfield kids, or did you get like a uh, a, a wide array of we, a, a sampling of kids? Here's my upbringing. We were members of a country club from the time I was born. Hello. But I didn't know that until I was 17. <laughs> okay. So my my dad, I, my friends wanted to play golf. I was like, hey, dad, uh, we want to play some golf. And he's like, oh, we're members at Stockdale. <laughs> and so my dad, you know, my dad's. Um, you were the most unusually down-to-earth family considering your achievements I've ever seen in my life. My dad's a super down-to-earth guy. He He didn't. My brother, my older brother's upbringing and my younger sister's upbringing were starkly different. Mm. Um, doing real estate in the 80s, I mean, you had some up markets and some down markets. Okay. So, um, yeah, I would just say definitely by the time I was in college, you know, everything was good. And we, we never had it anything below, you know, premium middle class. Gotcha. But... uh I wasn't. I didn't grow up at the country club. It's not. It's not. When you say man of the people, mm-hmm. I was like, I still kind of despise country clubs. Like right. people you, like you have dinner at the country club. I'm like, oh yeah, that way we can laugh at all the people that can't come to the country <laughs> club on the way in. Yeah. And point at them like the, I make more money than you do. And, and again, there's our connection. It's the rebellion is in you, like rage against the machine for well, some reason. You know, this absolutely. Did you have a favorite comedian? Like even when you were in eighth grade, was there someone that turned you on to it? Uh, I remember liking Jeff Ross back then. Don't love him now. Um, you know, back then I think <laughs> you're the best man. Sorry, sorry no, you Jeff. are you are the best. Yeah. Tune uh, tune in uh, January 2020 when Jeff Ross will be performing at Templar Brewing Company. I feel, g- and I'll be trying to get him on this podcast. Listen, I know who's on CAA's roster. Smart man. I know who I'm not going to say anything about. Smart and, man. And I know that the rest of the comedy world's fair game. Okay. Um, so back then you, you only had so many people getting the comedy special. So it's pretty much anybody that, you know, you saw do a, do a half hour. I think Steve Martin's the ultimate for me now. Yeah. And, um, by the time I was like in college, I had discovered his old stuff. You know, I never, I was never like into the movie Roxanne, Okay. but as a, as a pure comedian, I was just like, Holy, you know, this guy just, just did a whole new thing. Yeah, he would do a whole bit about plumbing. Like he would use plumbing jargon. Right. He would. The bit was, uh, "There's a plumbers group here, and so uh, bear with me for the rest <laughs> of the night." And he tells this whole joke, and and, and every word he uses is this hyper technical plumbers jargon that no one would know unless you're a, a plumber. And he, you know, he goes on way too long with it. Yeah. And and I'm just like, man, that's. I just. I just loved it because it was so different, yeah. so difficult, um, so unique. It was fascinating. Yeah. And it, it you just didn't see a lot of stuff like that. Right. And the contemporary people I had had watched kind of growing up. Did you ever think about giving it a shot from, from that point until Tembler Comedy started? Maybe in the back of my mind, maybe it was like a dream. Like I hosted my... Um, I hosted my high school talent show, which was a big deal. Probably like 500 people attended. Nice. As the ladies' man, okay? 
Oh my God! What a full circle. Doing the ladies' man oh list. Oh my God! The whole time. Oh my God! And everyone, no one got it because I'm I'm white. You're and, ahead. <laughs> and, and my ladies, my ladies' man list was not spot on. Can you give us one? Yeah, the ladies' man <laughs> is in the house. That's not bad. Can that's, I buy you a fish sandwich? That's not bad. It's not bad. It's passable. Yeah. Um, the prettiest girl in school thought it was funny and, that's uh, all that matters yeah it didn't get that, that got me absolutely that's nothing. all that matters but i was my family was embarrassed for me um <laughs> so with with coming <laughs> my family's embarrassed for me i was pretty embarrassed for myself but i got the one good job from from the the good looking girl who loved tim meadows and, and the ladies man there you go i think one thing <clears throat> about uh, coming from my family is uh, there would have been a lot of disappointment, you know. Basically, had I gone into comedy, uh, it would not have gone well with the family. So It'd be it would a tough sell. It would have been a full, full bore mutiny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even to this day, even you know, the last time I think there, I was gonna um, potentially host uh, at a showcase. Where I was gonna go up for five minutes at one right. of the showcases. Cause I get to do that, guys. Everyone else to try to get on Chris's showcase. I just call him at last minute. I'm like, hey guys, guess what? I'm taking some time. I'm yeah, I'm that guy. That's right. Um, I'm very cognizant of not being that guy, which is what one of the reasons. I I, I actually it. tell you to be that guy more. Yeah, you do. You do. You're nice about it, but I I see all you guys out there at the open mics uh, struggling and uh, telling the same joke over and over for God knows what reason. Guys, write some new material oh, every time oh you get my on God. stage. The same way that the same way that I rolled my eyes when Dave told me he was doing new material every time is the same way if you've been going to shows and open mics for the past six months and doing the same five minutes. If you notice a lot, if you're noticing a lot of people go take a piss while you're on stage, it's because they've heard your set. 3,000 times, and we all want to die because we have to hear it again. Well, or for the first time, for some, <laughs> <of you> guys. <laughs> for some of you guys. I was at one not long ago, and um, I was scared for my life. Who was a doozy. So, <laughs> you, you know what I'm I do. About. That was so, a special night. So you're, And you always seem to come in on the special nights. I've sensed that because I'm like, they're not getting 100 people here by doing this every week. Yeah, like, but it just so happens, and... Uh, I, it just happened recently too like uh frankie came in to watch a portion of a show and it was a really weird time to be there and it wasn't a full room like it normally is uh marcy's daughter came out to see a show to see a mic one time sat in the middle and it was one of the weirder ones that we it's, it's just kind of par for the course of how that goes you get when the principal's watching the ki you're gonna drop your lunch tray when you're at the mechanic your car is not gonna you know it won't it, yeah it, it won't have the problem that it's it only to. acts up when it's not supposed to i I, uh, I get that but i was just at the same time i was like i can't i can't be here for this it's 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 very uncomfortable for me and i and you're sitting you're we're sitting next to each other and i'm looking at you and realizing that i feel as uncomfortable as you do and I still and have to go up 17. And you're running the thing. I have to go up 17 more times. And you have to provide the comic relief, you know, let off a little steam in the room after someone And there are goes. times I'll go up and look at the crowd and go, I don't know what to say either. I'll just say, like, if you were me, what would you say right now to, to make all this work? I leave every open mic thing in the same thing, which is... Um, a lot of this is just people that can't afford therapy. <laughs> this yeah. is free therapy. 
Um, but you were, and you were saying, even when, even now, when you told your father you were going to do five minutes up top at a show, it, it's not tremendously well it's w- received. Why are you doing that? Okay. I mean, he's, yeah, he's like trying to get me to, you know, be the next whatever. So with that considered. <laughs> not, not next comic <laughs> standing. Or so what? with that considered, Dave. Considering I'm, I've two weeks ago started my goofy comedy podcast and came and wanted to, you know, we decided to record together. Oh yeah! Thank you for bringing me to your dad's office to do it. <laughs> he's not here. I'm sure he's got a great impression of he's me. He's not here today. So don't, <laughs> don't need to worry. He's on his way to the beach. So the pressure kind of, n- not completely, but was in the back of the brain of just of just kind of keeping away from taking that as a route. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I went to school at UCSD, and I'm like. Yeah, the La Jolla Comedy Store right there. I never once went. Yeah. Um, which I remember looking m- many times as he was playing there, but um, I like I I did uh, I wrote for the school newspaper. I had a job as an arts and entertainment reviewer, um, so I was always kind of in that space. But I'm like, why wasn't I parking cars at La Jolla Comedy Store trying right. to? I don't know. Tell don't me if you felt this that. too, is because part of this I I blame on growing up in a small town, but it might not be that. Is I started loving comedy when I was nine or ten years old, and from that point until I was twenty three, it never occurred to me that you could try. Like I just thought those people were ordained, and they were commit. Like it never, my brain never made the connection of I love this thing. People do it. I wonder if there's a route for me to give it a try. Until I was twenty three, it never occurred to me. So I can totally connect with how you drove by the La Jolla Comedy Store and never went in because there was that weird barrier of like that's not right for me. That's comics I see on TV doing that. I'm not a yeah, the, TV guy. The, the Judd Apatow who's interviewing every comedian he knows for an imaginary, you know, I don't know if you you've read Judd's book, Sick in the Head. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. But so the genius of that is he he figured out he wanted to do something. He's I'm going to figure out how, to, you know, the sausage is made and then I'm going to make the sausage. I mean, and that's so instrumental to to doing things is just sometimes that's enough to skate you by is having the willing like the just being open-minded enough to say I'm going to give it a shot and the stick-to-itiveness to go through that's huge. Right. And it's something until very recently was was not even a p- portion of my brain. I mean, reading now about how Seinfeld sits down and writes for an hour every day, you know, it's it would have been just fascinating to know that discipline back exactly then and just say hey you know let me start by just trying to sit down and and write something good yeah um but i think you know i think being a coward is always what it comes back to <laughs> for me um i was in some bands and uh oh yeah and college and we did a couple shows so i got on stage to do you know and i did some open nights mics with music um, what was your instrument i just guitar singer songwriter so you did it all yeah okay yeah i could go full john hacker up there with a guitar and do like a parody song i can did you know john hacker yes yeah move aside john hacker (laughs) did you uh did did you know did you know or were dating mrs bynum at the time when you were in a band no hello nope hello which Um, which which portion of the band got you the most attention after the show like just most walk-ups after the show uh which poor i I mean like guitar if you understand what i was doing the 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 band i did the most shows with i was playing bass 
and uh, a little band called ACDC, <laughs> if you've ever heard of it, folks. Um, it was called Illinois. And wait, uh, it, wait, is wait. it spelled like the state or is it spelled like I think it's about to the word yep. ill, the word, the letter N and like noise with a Z all on word. With, did noise have a Z? No Z, okay. but there's an E at the end. Well, okay. So <laughs> I didn't name it. Yeah. Um, I played the melodica, which I don't know if you know who melodica is. I, I John Hacker definitely does. I'm angry thinking about it, but go it, ahead. You blow me. into a tube. Which powers Say no more. basically a keyboard that sounds like a harmonica. Okay, now You've I seen know. one. Yep. Yeah. And so I played that, and then I would sing. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't a good look. It was, and I we did. Uh, so the answer is guitar is what got you more approaches. Yes. Okay. Actually, yes. If I just got on guitar on stage by myself with a guitar, that that was much more effective. Okay. Also the bars I was playing at were much seedier. Oh, okay. That that helps. And it's called the melodica? The melodica. The mel- oh, I'm sorry. The melodica. Please. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't Sound mean like to dis- a peasant I, I, I didn't mean to disrespect the art Man, form. You obviously weren't a member of a country club growing up. Not at all. Um, unfortunately. <clears throat> I still love the melodica. Amazing. Amazing uh I'd play the guitar solos on the melodica. Nice. You know? provocative mm-hmm. yeah we had we had our own take on things so you did you did do some performing again you were the lead in in uh early schooling in some theater you were in a band uh just didn't do the comedy thing didn't do the comedy thing um wasn't really afraid to do it until and we'll get this will lead in nicely to my bomb until i kind of met you guys and i'm like holy smokes these guys are doing like four open mics a week um, you know, they're, they're going down to LA and doing shows and I'm getting up at my shows, kind of taking time away from them when they're really trying to do this thing. And for me, it's just kind of a fun aside. Um, so I just kind of met you guys and there's a lot of that in my head leading into Bobby Lee. <laughs> um, we booked Bobby Lee. It was a, like a Wednesday show. And at this time, you'd gone up and, and performed, like hosted, performed like three times? Four or five times, yeah, okay. something like that. Um, and um, so Bobby Lee's coming. It's this it's is, a Wednesday. I got to work all day. This so is I, May of 2016, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Okay. And um, I so I've got all this background noise in my head about I've met these new group of comics who are really, really doing this thing really doing it right and i've told him how i'm doing it and i'm start i've started to get some weird looks and <laughs> some disgruntled looks about this is the point where we've actually gotten to know each other like yeah 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 and i i had an honest i had an honest to goodness debate with you about you know the merits of writing new material mm-hmm. i still think it's an interesting way like if you write five minutes each time you take the best part of it um and i it's so hard to get a laugh at an open mic. Yeah. At all. Yeah. So it's like you, you go up at mics to find out what works. Like, how does that work? Because I go to these mics and they, some of them are, um, it's all comics. Yeah, some of them have no people. Some of them have no people. Some have only comics. Some of them um, have people there who are, have brought such a cringe element to the room that... Right. You know, um, some some of them, a crowd shows up, but 
all com- seem bothered by comedy, which always <laughs> like, what did you think you were why, coming to? Why are these guys on stage while I'm trying to eat my hamburger? Well, yeah, They're yeah. annoying me. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> to, that's the, that's the issue I've always had with mics is like, I, you could get off stage and you'd have some practice going through your reps, which is great, but I don't, you don't always know right. what's funny and what's not. Um, and you can't trust other comics. Absolutely. For not. example, Absolutely Andy not. Kindler once The back told of the room me, will kill you. <clears throat> Andy Kindler once told me after I got off stage, I had good stage presence. And I, being the pessimist, I'm like, that's the best compliment he could give me. And that's not a good compliment. But, it's like your comedy's not good. You, I guess the, you, you can't teach stage presence, or maybe you can. But, but Andy Kindler... Or is Andy, Andy Kindler is that's not the he's the anti comic he's the celebratory bomber yes. like he he relishes he relishes the 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 room the not cringe. getting it in, yeah 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 um I almost confused him with Andy Richter so I <laughs> I was making I wanted to make sure I wasn't about to go down the celebratory bomber route and the, but I was actually talking talking about the the bubbly guy who hangs out with Conan so I was just making sure so Bobby Lee it's 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 Wednesday. I got a tough day at work. I have, uh, as usual, I've not really written my set. So I, I spend like the last half of the day writing the set and talking back and forth with Bobby regarding what time he's going to be there. And, and, uh, which, which I imagine was a dream. Uh, no, it's, it's <laughs> always, a, just he's, like, a, he's a neurotic fellow. Like, hey, Dave, is this Bobby? You know, this is Bobby. What, what time was, you know, it's, you're like oh Bob, Bobby Lee or Adam Carolla is calling me. It's like what whatever, and you you, I can't believe I'm on the phone with them, and then it's just the most boring business phone call oh, of your life. That's good. I figured like because like I said, Bobby's Bobby's kind of a nervous neurotic. I figured yeah. I figured that he'd have been like freaking out on the phone with you, like worried about what was about to happen. But what I want is the comic on the phone. Okay. You know, I want him to say something funny, or yeah. I want an anecdote yeah. or something. I don't get it. Nothing. You know, so I'm just like. Well, why why am I doing this? <laughs> but um so I, that night was just a mess. It was you said May? I believe it was May. That sounds right cuz it was it was light outside. Yeah, and it the, was. The Timbler stage. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, the Timbler stage is backlit. Cuz yes, you got windows behind you. And so I'm running the show meaning I got to get there and make sure the chairs are set up and tickets and the the Timbler people got all the stuff on the rider, which initially when I started doing this, I got really frustrated because no one at Timbler gave a crap about comedy. <laughs> and it's the only thing selling. All they're talking about is booking musicians, Yeah, which they'll, they would do. It would lose a bunch of money. And musicians get all the shine. Yep. Anywhere you go, musicians get the shine. Comedians get the raw and the stick. That's right. Everyone wants to be a music venue. That's so cool. Yep. Which, by the way, we've learned the right way to do is you just book local. That's right. You get pretty good. So much talent in the town, too. Music. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Great so, musicians. So anyway, I got work. I got writing my set. I'm trying to learn my set, but also make sure the writer and then, the, you know, checking the tickets. Where are we on the sales? Because I'm the only guy. It's not a complicated algebraic formula to figure out what a comic makes with their formula. Uh-huh. You usually have a guarantee versus a percentage mm-hmm. minus expenses. And to this day, and we've done how many shows do you think we've done? Thirty? Oh, easily 40? more. I, I we're probably it's been at it three years now. I would say we've done over fifty. So I'm gonna take a shit on my brother. 
I don't know if that's right, Don. That's what you get for <laughs> dancing in the background. Um, Hope you enjoy it or enjoying yourselves. To this day, I have to get on Eventbrite and email him or text him the check that has to be written for a show that I'm not personally at because yeah. no one can get it right. And if they don't get it right the first time, I get an angry call from CAA. I've got to go through the, the reps of getting another check written, right. and it's 10 times as much work. I'm glad that we're in the same boat that whether you're booking a show or I'm booking a show, Don is, is annoyed with both of us six days out from a show. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Or we're not doing it right. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yep. The, the, and at one point, I think I brought you in as like, Chris, you're going to take over booking. I'm going to give you the phone number of the guys at CA, and you're going to take over all the comedy shows because I'm done with this booking stuff. <laughs> and that was basically just me throwing a fit because yep. I wasn't getting any help from anyone at Timbler. Yep. Um, it, things got a little bit better. They had a GM. They had a GM issue. Um, they, got a, they got rid of the GM. Frankie came in. Frankie's at least lovely to work with if shout out to frankie i know you're a long time listener frankie first time caller frankie you're on you're listening to the line mm -hmm. um so things have gotten a lot better in that regard but back in the bobby lee days it, i had like i was wearing five hats right and so to go up and host and then i remember that night a couple people I, I'll, i'd say frenemies were there Mm -hmm. people who if i didn't do well you know they're gonna relish they, it. yep they're like oh you do comedy oh this is, this is gonna be interesting yeah so <clears throat> showtime comes around bobby's not there um so now i'm nervous i'm like i'm gonna have to stretch or someone's gonna have to stretch and then we get off stage and but we kind of just decide we have to start so full daylight out right. back lit um bobby's not there mm-hmm um, the features there, Matt Edgar's there. Features there. The feature, it's features are always great. Oh, had features or a dream. Had I known how funny Matt Edgar was, I would I would have felt so much better. But I stole him from you, un unfortunately, and I'm I'm glad you did. I, <laughs> I love I love the guy. He had his girlfriend there. You gave her some time. Gave her some time, which yeah. was I remember it was like she I, went outside and came back a whole other person too, which was wild. Yes. She yes she she changed her look significantly yep. for the better. Oh yeah, um, I mean, good looking lady. Well, you're hey, that's you saying that. That's that's not me saying that. I'm still stuck. You hear I'm, that, Lexi? I'm on my I'm on my shout out to Mrs. Bynum, and, and Lexi is a respectful man. That's right. You're sleeping on the couch Lexi. tonight, not me, Lexi. <laughs> um, do we have time? Do we have time to talk about Lexi? How much time do we have? We have left? time to talk about everything. Um. You're sure. cut, oh, of course. You, you, you uh, I'll cut, cut, the I could cut all this out in post. Uh, which, by the way, speaking of that, you were always, bef obviously, before Lexi, you were, you were. I thought you were good about like you would try to introduce me to yep. to girls. I'm to, a matchmaker. But however, if you if you're t you just told me that people would say like who's that cute comic? I didn't hear any of that shit. So thanks nope. thanks for setting me nope. up back I in the day, you, man. I told you. I I told you, and I introduced you. And I I wanted to go back and touch on. I I didn't realize her name first, was Rochelle, and she had braces. I don't know if that triggers a memory for you uh yes uh firefighter firefighter very nice yeah very nice bartender at the gentleman yeah i can't mix work and pleasure that's you can't do that. that's why we you and i don't date she, by the way the templar staff is awesome like now like now. not just frankie but uh quiche and katie crush it for oh, my yeah. shows like i i, I don't quiche. i it's i walk in and it's I, I can't beat beat them there to get it all done anymore so they're all good 
But yeah, but with Rochelle then, with Rochelle being a bartender at the at the gentleman, it just would have never worked. Because what if we split? Now who are you guys going to choose in the divorce? I know it ain't me. Rochelle, um, we lost Rochelle in a different divorce. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. Um, one of the uh, yeah, one of the owner's wives, uh, the gent, didn't care for uh uh-huh. for Rochelle working there anymore. So uh-huh. she, she doesn't work there. Well, there you go. Um, but uh, so but so I'm getting up on stage. I'm wondering if Bobby Lee is going to be there. I'm, you know, I'm worrying about my frenemies. You're on stage performing. I'm performing. Okay. I'm going up before Edgar and Edgar's girlfriend. You go up. It's daylight. It's daylight. The main room's not easy if you're if you are first a time in the main room. Also, if you're a veteran, the main room's not easy uh, because it's a different room to get used to. The acoustics are different when you're on stage. Now the the main room fits 325 people, but it is a brewery setting, so there's a you know 100 foot ceiling or however high it is, uh, big wide open spaces. People are sitting in lines at, at big long tables, and when you're on stage, I'd say the room goes backwards about 200 feet. You can't hear if anybody in the back of the room is laughing. So even if you're crushing, when I'm in the back watching you, I know that you're doing way better than you think you're doing from stage. So. Yeah, and it's my first first time in the big room. So I get up, I do my my welcoming remarks. Um, I get I get through my, and for the first time ever, I'm seeing faces. Oh, because because we're it's daylight and we're yeah. backlit, and I just didn't want to see faces, especially the frenemy faces. The frenemy faces, and it, I think you and I are super in tune to what what are people thinking, what are people saying, right? Um, and. Uh, so there's this tendency to like want to read the crowd a little bit too much. Yes. And so, you know, seeing the faces through me, I got into, um, uh, maybe I was maybe a minute in and I, I had a full anxiety attack. Oh no. Um, so do you remember your first joke? Like what it was about? My first joke is always, hi, I'm Dave Bynum. I have sex with my wife <laughs> once a week, every five weeks. <laughs> That's that. That's the joke I mentioned earlier. Shout out number three to Mrs. Bynum. Mrs. Bynum, crushing it on this podcast. Taking, it's all about the quality, not about the quantity, babe. We know there, that. Yeah, there you go. Um, so you tell that joke, and almost immediately afterwards, have a full scale panic attack. Yeah, I'm, it was. I'm looking at faces. Um, I'm, I'm uh, trying to remember my next bit, which was brand new. Um, and Bobby Lee shows up and to give the listeners an idea of the venue in the main room, uh, the door walks directly into the, you're faced with the entire building when you walk in and the stage is against the wall. So when Bobby Lee walks in, he walks in and about four feet from the door or oh, stairs. Don't get to walk in cause he didn't walk in first. Okay. I'm on stage and Bobby Lee Decides to put on a little show behind me. Oh God! He's, you know, he he puts his hand up, you know, looks in the window, sees everybody, then walks <laughs> to another window and does a funny little, you know, looking in the window move, um, and then you know walks around to the back entrance, then all the way, and the whole time he's doing, you know, he's being funny because he sees the whole audience, right? And he doesn't want to just, you know, he's got a, a reputation to uphold. Yep. Um. So. 
while all that's going on, I'm just trying to, you know, do some commentary. Oh, Bobby's here. Thank God, you know, finally, um, you know. And so now if anybody was still paying attention to you through Bobby's show, they've now heard you say Bobby's out there. Yeah, it was it was done. And everyone's, you know, looking at Bob. I'm, I'm seeing their faces and they're just looking at what's Bobby doing. Yep. Um, I immediately can't remember what I wanted to say next. Um, Bobby comes in. I, I, I'm in full panic mode now where I just, my mind is, I'm like a frozen computer. Yeah. I don't know if, do you have anxiety? Do you have any of that stuff? All the time. But I mean, like, if you have a panic attack, do you know, like. Uh, where you feel like you're dying? Yeah, just kind of a medical grade, you know, issue. Not just like I feel nervous, just like I can't function. Just an uprising, uh, all-encompassing, I can't focus on anything else. So to me, anxiety is like the up, uprising and the anxiety attack is it boiling over. Yeah. And it's like whatever, I can't push it back down. We ha- we have an event now. I think I get I think I get right to where the uprising would meet the eyeballs and then it and that's it, just where you can it can quell it. And it lives there, but it lives there for like four days. Yeah. And then after that, like I'll be on a drive, like from work to home and I'll just get like a, ah, like storm's over. Yeah. Storm, so I got good news for you. You're a good candidate to have an anxiety attack. Oh, great. But, but I, I had one on stage. I've had a couple. And, um, so good news was no big deal. I was just kind of like, all right, uh, next up is, uh, Matt Edgar's girlfriend. Great part about yeah. being a host is whenever you get in too much hot water, you just throw up the next guy. You're done. Yeah. And so, you know, I, uh, I think I, I, I wish I had tape of that. Cause people were like, eh, what do you mean? It went fine. I'm like, well, you weren't paying attention. So, yeah, it went fine. Like for me, it was, it was mm-hmm. a nightmare. Don't you tell me I don't suck. Yeah. yeah. And so after that, I was like, you know what? I got these guys. They're serious about it. Uh, I'm having a panic attack up there. I wasn't, I wasn't having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember if I had fun. I remember I had a couple bits where I, I had one bit. It was just a time filler. I brought a girl up on stage, just a random girl from the audience, and um, I would start. Uh, I would start telling her how attractive she is, and I'd make her look me in the eyes and just, you know, like you're beautiful, you're gorgeous. Was okay, this at I another? Want you to know this. This is at another show. This is a Templar, Yeah. But a, a different show, not the Bobby uh, show. Not the Bobby show. Okay. Um, and the the concept was, look, guys, a lot of women have body issues, self-esteem, so you want to tell them that they're beautiful a lot, okay? Yeah. And even if it doesn't work out for you, they got a boyfriend at home, he's going to thank you because she's going to feel good about herself and it's going to lead to good things. Yeah. So I would just, you know, kind of play with the awkwardness of that concept. And I think some of that was fun, but it's not, it wasn't really stand-up. It was just like, eh, let's... But it, was, but it was in the vein of Steve Martin, like a new... A new angle at it. It was entertainment. You know, yeah. it, was, it was whatever. It was me on stage trying to be entertaining in yep. a funny way. Um, some of that was fun. But overall, my my experience doing stand-up was like basically nervous the day of. Mm-hmm. Like basically billing half of what I'm supposed to because I'm so nervous about the show. Right. And then best case scenario, I get off. I'm like, I did okay. Like Some people said some nice things, but no one really, no one's really like, you're great. Yeah. You, you got to keep do this. If you don't do this, you're you're robbing the world of something. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Um, what what is this? This is a hobby for me. I'm not. I, I've got kids. I'm not going to 
my my time has passed. I'm not going to get into this. These other guys are doing it. I like comedy, so I'll book it. And uh, all that kind of thinking kind of is what put the uh, me getting on stage to a to an end. Put the brakes on. Was that the last time you went on stage? That was the last time. And that was your first bomb. That was my first bomb. And I I think you listened to the Joe Allenies episode where that's, he talked about he one of the categories. He came he came fragments away from quitting after his first bomb. And similar to you, his first bomb wasn't nearly his first time. It was a few months in, which makes it much more difficult to deal with. His first bomb was at the casino, right? Because I'm I'm into this yeah. second. Yeah. That was he truly had nothing going. I mean, when I talk about oh, it was backlit. You know, yep. which he was also, but he truly had nothing going for him. No stage. I was like, I don't know how you don't, you know, it would take a true, true professional to get any laughs in that environment. So I was, that was another thing. I was like, I bombed under pretty good circumstances. Well, you think that, but, but I can tell you from knowing from tons of experiences. No, that is the hole that you dug out of is even more difficult than the casino thing for a number of reasons you're doing first of all it's your first handful of times doing comedy so even like i remember at at my point even when i had a bit that was good i'm it's i'm still going to be three or four months away from doing stand-up when i'm up there i'm just trying to remember what to say not panic when i see the faces figure out like where i'm going to be on stage and like how to hold the microphone how to hold the stand do i want to use my hands how to deliver move my hands exactly i remember people saying like at first you gotta just not use your hands it's too much to think about just leave your hands in your pocket yeah but i remember thinking oh that the guys who are good, they're very animated. That it, energy seems to be very key. But yeah, in those in those first couple of it, it's gonna take you a while just to even get to be who you are on stage. So you're like you're there for starters. Second, you're at a show that's packed, which is nerve wracking, in a tough room. Tembler is the best venue like is done so much for the scene. Both of those rooms are very difficult rooms when it comes to just it's constructed for music and yeah. brewing beer it's not constructed for stand-up it's yeah. like high ceilings wide open spaces yeah, a lot of laughs high back, yeah. high stages uh acoustics usually come from the floor outward instead of around the room so it's, you're you're battling all these elements and then you're hosting a show and i know this very well you're hosting a show for a big time national household name headliner and sometimes a portion of the crowd is really into you being up there, but oftentimes, and I even remember this from being an audience member, the people show up to see Bobby Lee and only Bobby Lee. So when you they're walk on- They're irritated, you're not Bobby Lee. They're irritated, yeah. you're not Bobby Lee, and they're a dead crowd. So you, when you're the host, you walk up on stage to an absolutely dead crowd, and then the first thing you have to do is hit them with- uh, PA announcements. You got to do administrative <laughs> shit. So you're digging yourself an even further hole. And the people who aren't comedy savvy are looking at you the whole time thinking you're stealing time away from Bobby Lee. If this guy would just get off stage, Bobby would do 12 more minutes. And so you're like all that stuff, your fourth or fifth time doing comedy is a nightmare to go through if it goes poorly. For me, I'm glad I've done it enough to know what it is yeah i mean i don't know what it really is to you know do out-of-town venues and go on the road and but to to at a basic level like it's a good taste i've tried it you know i've you know i've been ziplining you know (laughs) um 
I'm not an expert zipliner. I haven't done the biggest one in the world, but I've been on a zipline before. I, I basically know what it is. Um, I've also, and I book shows, mm-hmm. and I've bounced shows, and I've... Uh, like a like a bouncer? <clears throat> you were at Eric Griffin. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, were you the one that were you the one that hauled? Uh, which one did you haul out? The man or his uh, sister? <laughs> I, I, yeah, the sister. You the, hauled out the sister. Yeah, I threw out. Did I, you haul her out the second time also? I threw out a lady. I Best grabbed heckler. her by the elbow, and she uh, tripped and was like, "I think on purpose." I wish I passed my bar back then. I'd represent her. <laughs> and the best part about that whole story was. Two months later, when she was my waitress at Tahoe Joe's. Oh wow, you saw her again. So, yeah. well, here's the here was the best part for me is what happened at the Eric Griffin show. Uh, it was the first time someone ever got thrown out at a show. It was this guy that wouldn't stop yelling, wouldn't stop. So, uh, security, well, security, uh, uh, someone on staff just asked him to leave, and he got up and he walked right out. Is as, as you do. Yeah. when there's a chance you're going to get punched in the face if you don't. So yeah. he got up and walked out. When he got up and walked out, his also very drunk, I think sister was in the row in front of him, stood up and started yelling too. However, she doesn't have the same concerns that he has if someone asks her to leave and she doesn't. Right. So you asked her to leave and she didn't for a long time. And then she finally did and she's like screaming at people out in the hallway and then everyone kind of gets to the point of like, we're cool, we're going to let it go, we're going to let it go. But instead of walking out of the venue, she sneaks back in and along the wall sneaks back to where her seat would be. Uh, but in her seat is this woman who is a beautiful girl. I just started following her on Instagram. The bodybuilder. Yes. She comes to all our shows. Yo. This girl, she's she's a very pretty girl, but she is about six foot three. And she, I mean, she's got to be, she's got to, she's got to weigh more than me of sh- like muscle, like, like like four percent body fat and she's all muscle she is a, she is an amazing specimen and she carries herself in a way where just take away the physical if i were factor. if i were single i'd want to be her girlfriend she could be five foot two 180 pounds and and if she carried herself the way she does now yeah i'd still be afraid of her like oh. she just she's got it all going well, th- this heckler that sneaks back in tries to go to her seat and the bodybuilder is there and she kind of gives some attitude to the bodybuilder. Yeah. And the bodybuilder says to her, you don't want this problem. <laughs> and she and I would- hear that. And that's when I threw, I think the second time is when I, I threw her out. I because I remember. I wanted you to throw me out at that point because I didn't want whatever problem she was talking yeah. about. I just remember she's she's going to get. There's going to be a melee here Trounced. if I don't handle this. Yeah. So as much as I didn't want to like grab a woman by the elbow and try to walk her out while she's bawling. At this point, you're the best person who's going to grab her elbow because if the bodybuilder does, she's a dead woman. And for you listeners, I'm 160 pounds of five foot eleven. What? Uh, what Fan yourselves now, ladies. Yep. Skinny fat is probably the <laughs> word that didn't exist. Who are the assholes that came up with this phraseology? It used to just be your skinny or your dad bod. Now you can be skinny fat. Yeah. I, I used to just be like, I'm skinny. Yeah. That means that's kind of healthy. European um, body. I'm I'm healthy-ish. Yeah. Now they're like, like, like no, French f- French body. You're skinny, but that skinny is fat, and, uh, <laughs> and so you, you're still unhealthy, even though you're skinny. <laughs> so, 
I bouncing is not uh, a line of work that my high school counselor would have told me to get into, but I've I've done it. Yep. I booked the shows. I've been on stage. I've fetched the drink. I've unplugged the ice not, machine. Not in this office, you haven't. But at Tembler, you've fetched drinks. Yes. Yeah, sure. Jordan does that. Here. <laughs> He's got no other skills. He's got no other life skills. Um, if you're ever, let me say this about Jordan. If you are a worship leader at a church, oh, no. and you need a fallback career, um, I just don't know. Those guys have a lot of Plan Bs, a lot of skills. <laughs> that they're going to go to the marketplace with after they decide I don't want to play bad guitar on stage and sing off key. And after saying something, love like, you, Jordan. Though after saying something like that, surprises me to hear to say hear you say that you're not Catholic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the Catholics do it right. They just uh, they don't have well, professionals. They don't have paid professionals on stage. Yeah, they just have you know maybe an old lady playing the organ. They have like a young guy. You saw Jordan. He's hip. He's young. He's got a little very slick. beard going. Yep. He can play a few chords on an acoustic guitar. In the Christian community, that's enough to make a career out oh, of Oh, yeah. But if you get out of it, now you're working for Dave Bynum fetching water. Yeah. You know? He and could have been the new Creed lead singer. Like yeah. he, he was on that road. He could have made his way up to a nice mega church, been making a quarter million a year. Yeah. You know? Is this what you're doing, by the way? Are you taking up and coming performers and turning them into your water fetchers? Because I don't feel comfortable <laughs> about being your interviewer slash opener slash whatever the hell I am. If that's am I seeing my future when I see is that why you brought me here? Just know this, Chris. If it doesn't work out, there's <laughs> always buying them an associate. Always a place for you. There's always a place for you here. Everybody gets thirsty. <laughs> That should be the tagline. Everybody gets thirsty. Everybody gets thirsty. So do you have any interest, despite my trying to drag you up on stage, do you have interest in doing it again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the interest only comes from um, I'm constantly trying to write comedy in my head. It's mm -hmm. my resting. I imagine most comics are this way. Your resting place is just trying to think of something funny. And sometimes I'm much more active about it. Yeah. And if I think I've come upon something, then I want to get on stage and find out, find out the truth. Right. Um, what are the conditions that you would be looking for? Obviously not Bobby Lee in the daytime uh, in the main room again, but obviously not an open mic with 12 people who seem like they're to about to go postal. Mic. I think I just need to be at the right open mic. So like a, like a away from Tembler, rocket shop, low ceiling on top of a 40-person crowd style room. Ideally, yeah. Okay. I think um, we can make that happen. And then, and then a hosting. You know, Dan will put you on a show. <laughs> yeah, Dan. Hey, Dan. How come you haven't been calling, man? Uh, uh, you're welcome. That's why he hasn't been calling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bets. Bets. Uh, there's a love story with me and Bets, which was he was the first guy I saw at a mic. I was like, "Hey, he's pretty good, Chris. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Let's you know, let's put him on one of the shows." So, um. It's always fun to like, uh, you know, I have a little bit of power. Yeah. It's always fun to kind of flex your muscles. To wield like, it. Yeah. yeah. So Dan was my first wield and um, probably don't, my last wield. Don't too. take too much solace in that, Dan, because take it from me, you'll be along with me bringing him waters in six months. Uh, everybody this, gets this, thirsty, this, Everybody gets thirsty, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'll be at the mic sitting next to you. Hey, Dan. Why don't you go get me a water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and you and you want to say no, which will be like he's got that little bit of power. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna do it again. I don't know if I I can't I can't you're promise do it. Again. I want to. I um, go, I am going to force this to happen if it's honestly I would have the last time if my dad wouldn't have kind of like damn it. shit on it right before damn it um, I made the mistake of telling Don you were going to do it well he already knew but he I was told like, my dad and my dad's like why are you doing that damn it and I'm like Don what do you what do you do anything for? I know Don's not here anymore like, what but do you Don think? Don's Don's too deep it's one Timber. it's one p.m. he's gone <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's Friday. I'm glad that we can have this conversation, hold a microphone and look at each other with headphones on. Yeah. But uh, I, don't, oh, I don't think the listening audience is okay. interested in the Well, we can, have, we can do these, those without the microphones from now on. Yeah, okay. we should. But you told me like this is the only time you really hang out with people. So I'm just no, I'd I'm say stretching it so we can hang out. I say that as conjecture. If you, I, would I invited out. you to the Joey Diaz show. And so let's just go as friends. You and, inv- and you, but Dave, hold on. This is for the listening audience. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bomb Diaries. We were just talking about how Chris says he likes hanging out. Now, Chris had said Chris was supposed to be on the Joey Diaz show. He was supposed to host it. Uh-huh. I got an email saying um, no host, no nobody but my three guys. I had to tell Chris. Chris was bummed. Chris, Actually, being, I told you. He told me. Yeah. What, Whatever. Yeah. All right. You'd run, you're running my... Go get me a Yeah, because you were trying to paint the... Finish the story. <laughs> you were trying to paint the picture of me, and it was you are using recreationist history. So so anyway, uh, he goes, Dave, if you need me to host whatever, I'm your guy. I live eight minutes away. Just give me a call. Yeah. I'll be there for you, man. Yep. I've got nothing going on tonight. I'm free. Right. I can come. Uh, don't sweat it. You don't have to worry about it. Um, He said it more succinctly than that. Yeah. So... It's the night of the show. I've never, I've never seen Diaz. Um, he's dirty. The first time <laughs> he was out of town, I, I, I just never been like. I, I'm sorry. I saw him at the Irvine Amphitheater. I've never seen him at Timbler. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of shows coming up, and I sometimes get fatigued. So I'm like, you know, I'll just let Don do this one or whatever. So then I'm like, you know what? I want to go see Diaz tonight. It'll be fun, guys. Night out. Chris already told me he's available, yeah. so I'll call him and just invite him and just say, hey, let's just go as buddies, and we'll just go as two <laughs> comedy fans that want to go see a comic, and um, I text Chris with that <laughs> concept, and I'm, not, I'm still not sure I understand what the response was, but we didn't end up going, and um, apparently he did have something to do. Yeah. What, whatever he had to do... It was not important enough where he couldn't get on stage, but was important enough to where he couldn't hang out with me. Here, there's, there's probably a meaty middle in there where a lot of activities could fit. Do I get my rebuttal? Yes. Here's here's my rebuttal to that. If you asked me what I was doing as I was editing a podcast that I released uh, that night, <clears throat> if you asked me uh, to go grab a coffee. If you asked me to go sit in here, if you asked me to go take a ride around town, I would have happily joined you as a buddy. But it just so happened that you asked me to go check out the show I was just removed from. This is the Chris Flail we all know and love. <laughs> this so, is the proud Chris Flail. So if so, 
I couldn't enjoy it as much. Just like when you get shit from the headliners that you got to sit there and enjoy it. It's tough. I couldn't enjoy it sitting there knowing I should be on the show. Like if Lexi and I are ever to break up, she's not going to invite me to the first date with her new boyfriend. You see, you know what I'm saying? I would have gone anywhere with you but the Joey Diaz show. You've never invited me anywhere but the Diaz show as friends. It's the only place. I ran into you at the Seinfeld show with your real friends. I didn't get to. You didn't ask me to go to that. You, you asked know what's me funny? To- I don't remember running into you, but I saw on Lexi's Instagram, which I was just knee deep in. <laughs> I think it's a picture of you guys holding tickets. Um yeah, and I was like, Chris went to the Seinfeld show. Son of a bitch, dude! You saw me, known. dude! You saw me after that, and you told me I sound like him. You don't even remember that. I, I do remember. You that. remember? I do Lexi's, remember telling you that? I just don't remember. You remember where. Lexi's Instagram more than your actual interactions with me, and we've known each other for three years. So yeah, I w- I would love to hang out with you as a friend. I just didn't have it in me to go to the show I got bounced from with you. That's you, what happened. You could have said anything else, Dave. I'll do anything else. I would have gotten you water. Because everybody gets thirsty. Everybody gets thirsty. <laughs> We're past like the two-hour mark. It's all, it's all going out in post. It's all cut. I think we need a tight. It needs to be a tight hour. Our our podcast together. No way. I'm, I'm going to put all your bad stuff in there. So the, how much do other people give you shit about Lexi? Because you Never. hang out with co- comics constantly, and when I've had friends that have had good-looking girlfriends, there's almost always someone that is bringing it up too much and a fight breaks out. Mm-hmm. This is how much I'm t- and you hang out exclusively with comics. Right. This is how much the other comics fear you. <laughs> I hear them talk about Boydston's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, you know, Lindsay's good looking lady. I don't know if Betts gets shit. That's his wife. Now I have my own Instagram account. It's got 10 pictures and they're all of my kids. Any, and okay. I, I'm in one of them. Why don't you put a booty shot on there? I'm topless in one of them. <laughs> Hold on. Let's get it up. I can post this on screen too. Um, Hashtag French body. Um, <laughs> the pooch. Yeah. Uh, Tarantino has a whole thing about that, right? What? Um, and Pulp Fiction. I got to piss so bad. Go take I can piss. hold it. Go I can hold it. No, you can't handle this by yourself. I can't trust what you're going to say in here. Guys. Um, You'll delete all the discovery. I'm just going to do a monologue real quick. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a tight five minutes. A tight five. Go, go take a piss. No, I'm good. <laughs> Why? All right, I'll go take the, a piss. The show's where's your, over. Where's your bathroom? Just, talking. just follow the... Just follow it out the wall. Let's shut 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 down the equipment. And we can just okay. talk when when you come. Sounds back. good. Right. We've been at it for two hours and twenty minutes. We've been hanging out. It should be able Which, to get by the a way, solid forty five out of that. How much are you going to try to bill me for this? Billable hours. This is two hours and twenty minutes. What am what's twenty? What's it going to run? <laughs> That's uh, seven hundred even. Motherfucker's rich. Everybody, I told you. Uh, as far as the recording goes, thank you very much for. Giving the people everything you have, not just here, but over the last three years, you've you've done moved mountains for us. So excited for more to come, more to come, oh, more boy. local comedy. Didn't that sound like excitement? <laughs> excited, <laughs> excited for local more. comedy. So great. <laughs> Everyone gets thirsty.
Bed food and yelled another time. Showed me a glowing light within. But I swear to God, was there the time I got to the eyes of my best friend. Since my son, it's all been done. Someday gonna wake up old and gray. Showing once everyone 